Howdy, and welcome back to season two, episode, I think this is 10, of the Texas Private School Podcast. Crazy to think about, we are 10 weeks into the 2021 season, but as always, I am, I guess for this episode, one half of your hosting crew. My other half, Walker Lott, joins us from College Station. Uh, Sadly, Ryan Schroeder has been dismissed from the podcast for some very insensitive remarks he made about the country of El Salvador. Um, We're sorry to any El Salvadorians listening. But no, I'm just playing. Walker uh, had, I mean, Ryan had some uh, prior commitments and he could be here tonight, but we'll be talking about his picks on the games that we preview. There's actually a lot of good games we're going to have to preview. This might be the best five game slate that we preview so far. But Walker, a lot of lot happened in the past week of football. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, this has been one of the biggest, craziest, strangest weeks of football we've had in a while, man. Uh, but yeah, it's been a good week. I got a haircut today. You see the fade on the sides, you know, it's good. Yeah, you see it. Um, good week. Uh, I also want to say, I appreciate all the love we've been getting recently. I mean, we're averaging more than 500 viewers for our past couple of episodes. It's been crazy. Uh, just keep growing and growing and we love it and we appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, we, we really appreciate it. We also got a, we got 30 likes and zero dislikes in the last video, something that has never happened before and probably will never happen again because obviously we have a lot of opinions that people disagree with. But, you know, again, thank you so much for all the love recently. Again, if you have any takes of your own, please comment them. We love making this as you know, as engaging as possible. And that's really our goal, just to have people talk about private school sports more than they already do. But moving into our first segment, as always, we will recap last week's picks. We only had our five games of the week go on record last week. Ryan, yet again, somehow goes four and one, extending his lead as 93 and 25 overall. There has been a change in the number two spot. Walker has taken that over after a three and two week, 85 and 33 overall. I have dropped back down to third for the first time since like week three or four, rightfully so. My picks have been horrendous lately, but we'll get into that later. I went two and three. I am 84 and 34. Well, obviously, and thankfully, we can't turn to Ryan here so he can gloat about his number one lead. But Walker, I mean, you've jumped me for number two. There's still a fight there. I mean, do you just think you're going to you're now the second best picker on the podcast? I mean, statistically, yeah, I guess so. But it's only a one game difference. I mean, it's here or there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to like, at least I showed that, Hey, I still got this in the bag, you know, like I still can do this, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going for Ryan's record, but it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It, see, this always happens. One of us always falls behind when we try to make picks that are like, that are out of the box and just, it, that's what I did last week. I tried to pick <laughs> upsets. It didn't work. Moral of the story, always pick the favorite, always pick the favorite. But, you know, it is what it is. But as always, we now move into our second segment of the week, the Texas Private School Podcast Players of the Week. And on offense, the Texas Private School Podcast Player of the Week is class of 25 quarterback from Parish Episcopal Sawyer Anderson. Anderson went 16 for 22 with 373 yards passing, five passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown and a win against Plano John Paul II. So obviously this is a great game, and I think this might be the first freshman that we've given it this award to. I mean, Walker, just give us some words on the freshman from Parrish, the season he's having in this game as a individual statistic. Yeah, you know, we've always talked about how good this 25 quarterback class is in this state for some reason. 
And I mean, I think this guy just kind of leads the way of him. Um, you know, when I went and saw him before the season or no, that first game against Bel Air, I was like, this kid has something different. Like, you know how Preston, when he was younger, he had just something different about him. He has the same type of thing where he doesn't, he, doesn't, he might look like a freshman being, you know, kind of the smaller stature, but he doesn't play like a freshman. He's hard nosed. He gets, he gets the ball where it needs to go. He's his decision-making in the pockets really, really well. And, you know, even though it is against Plano John Paul, maybe one of the lower division one schools, I mean, having a stat line as a freshman is very, very impressive. Um, you know, it's not like we, we saw like, what was it a week ago where they just handed the ball off to Andrew Paul. And that's what they honestly could do the entire year and be successful where the, they didn't have to put a lot of this pressure on the freshman freshman. Right. But when you have a guy like this, that can put up the stats like this and play that efficient and effective, I mean, why don't you put the ball in his hands? And that's really deadly to have him and Andrew Paul in the backfield. And you see how good this young quarterback is. And he he only has three more years to get better. So uh, very proud of him. Excited to see him grow. And I mean, what Wes, you're about to go see him this week. Oh, I'm, I'm very excited for that gigantic matchup that we'll preview later. But yeah, first of all, I do know how good um, – Preston Stone was as an underclassman because I played him when he was a sophomore and he absolutely tore us up. Yep. But I mean, I, I think Novikov really knows what he's doing at Parrish, getting the uh, freshman reps, even when he doesn't need to in big blowout games. He's just further developing him, priming them to make a deep run in the playoff and to make sure that Anderson is prepared for that. But congratulations to Sawyer Anderson, the Texas Private School Podcast Player of the Week. Now we move on to the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, senior linebacker Kaysen Best from Austin Brentwood. He racked up 21 tackles, an interception, a fumble recovery, two pass breakups, and a win against Corpus Christi, John Paul II, not to be confused with Plano JP2. I mean, anytime you see someone eclipse 20 total tackles in a game, you almost immediately have to give it to them. But he also added a pick, a fumble recovery, and two pass breakups just for good measure. I mean, Walker, what do you think about that stat line that the linebacker from Brentwood posted? Oh, I mean, that's ridiculous. 20 ta- 21 tackles, first of all, is just insane. And you add on an interception, fumble recovery, and then not just making tackles, you know, in that, you know, in the box, making his, making the right plays, but also doing pass breakups. So that means he's going away, having to be that, you know, not just that tackler, but also that, you know, defender as well. I mean, that's very effective. And that's what you want in a linebacker. I know we said this pass in a couple episodes ago, I kind of said the same thing, but when you have a linebacker that can do both and recognize the offense and what he, where he needs to be, where he needs to go that efficiently and quickly, I mean, that's a dominant, like true linebacker you love to have on a defense. And that's what separates the good from the great. And uh, uh, according to linebackers, you know, no, without a doubt. I mean, just incredible, well-rounded game, just not only being able, like you said, to get in the box and get those tackles, but also drop back in coverage, get an interception and a couple pass breakups. I mean, really, really the mark of a very talented player from Austin Brentwood in case and best, the senior linebacker. Congratulations, the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. So that being said, now we get to talk about the five games that we previewed last week, beginning with Midland at Fort Worth All Saints. I'll I'll preface this by saying we kind of know what we're doing with the ranking things, folks. Um, We we had these rankings where they were as a reason because 
Fort Worth won this game 34 to 22. Parker Clark, their starting quarterback for Fort Worth, was out with a broken collarbone. But backup junior quarterback Javant Williams throws for 324 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions in a very impressive performance for Fort Worth All Saints. Household name at this point, Brent Alfinger got himself another touchdown on the ground. And in terms of receiving, Williams' favorite target was junior wide receiver Chris Palfreeman, who grabbed seven receptions for 145 yards. Junior linebacker Kevin Chumley led the way defensively for All Saints with 15 total tackles. And DJ Johnson and Mason Magnus also snagged interceptions. Looking at Midland, uh, senior wide receiver Sean Madison had a good game with 122 yards receiving and a touchdown. And quarterback River Rodriguez had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, but he was relatively limited by the All Saints defense. So, Walker, I think we all felt this was going to be a very close game going into it and a very telling game as to how that kind of middle tier of Division One is going to sort out. What did you think? of the long-term ramifications of this game in terms of playoff seating and just how both of these two teams are going to fare from this result. I mean, this was, you know, like we said last week, it was, it was a good matchup we knew going in because it was two equally really good teams that were kind of on the same level and just seeing who's better than the other in that middle tier, like you said, and, you know, Fourth all saints had to come overcome a quarterback missing and brought in this, you know, a new guy from last week, and he and he kind of settles in now. And, I mean, kid can throw it. You can't tell me a kid that's 13 of 20 for 324 can't throw the ball. I mean, it's just plain and simple. And I like that he kind of realized was like, hey, let me get let me give the rock to the my, like, my best receivers. And he gave it to Powell Freeman, who, you know, is known around the state for how good he is. And you give it to the other guys, uh, Mason Magnus, uh, Marshall Koo, some other guys like that. He's giving it to these guys and let them make plays. And that's what you want. Um, give it to your athletes. Let them go. Yeah, I think All Saints is a good team. They're good where they need to be. And, I mean, I, I think if they keep going, they have a shot. They never, they're never really out of most of the games, I believe. So, I think they have it. They have a shot to really succeed. And remember last year. Last year, it was Nolan's like Nolan didn't win easily against All Saints in that playoff semifinals last year, and it was a very close game between the two of them. And after some calls and a last second Amika Megwa touchdown, uh, Nolan pulled away. But I mean, it's not like All Saints doesn't have the talent to be there and compete. So if they put that talent together and play like the team they can be, you have to watch out for them. And no, and the thing about Midland. Millen's a good team. Don't make, get me wrong, but I just don't think they're right now maybe in that top four or five best Division One private schools in the state. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that top tier, there's about three tiers in Division One. I. I think there's a top tier that includes teams like Nolan Parish, Prestonwood, Central Catholic. St. Thomas is, is floating around there, and then you got your middle tier, which is like All Saints, Midland, and then you have your bottom tier. So, I mean, it's interesting. I think Midland's knocking on the door of the top tier. They just can't quite break into it yet. But obviously, it's a talented program that has places to go in the future. I think um, All Saints being able to plug in Williams as a backup quarterback and him still throwing for 324 yards and three touchdowns really speaks 
to All Saints' system they've established. I think that has to be really efficient and really good coaching, obviously along with the great athletes they've developed, to be able to just plug someone into that quarterback role and throw for 330 yards. I think that really, really speaks to that. But, yeah, I think All Saints definitely – has a chance to play spoiler moving forward. I think they could make waves in the playoffs if everything starts to click at the right time. But overall, game was a 34-22 win for all Saints and look for them moving forward in the playoffs. Game number two, Southwest Christian at Fort Worth Christian in the battle for Fort Worth. And this just straight up was a dominant effort for Southwest Christian here. They outgained Fort Worth Christian 390 to 97 and didn't even give up a score until the fourth quarter, leading to a 36 to 7 victory. The story here is the ground game, honestly, where Southwest outgained Fort Worth Christian, wait for it, 325 to negative 50. You heard me correctly. That's not a typo. Negative 50 rushing yards for Fort Worth Christian. I mean, Walker, just quite frankly, how does this happen to where obviously Southwest Christian beat them because they're a better team? But how do you outgain someone 325 to negative 50 on the ground? I mean, looking at the Dallas Morning News, like stats, right? Trevor Anders had 18 attempts rushing for negative 52 yards. Look, I'm not no... uh, you know, mathematician or anything like that. But I would think that he got sacked a lot this yeah. past week. And I think that defense for Southwest Christian has always been really good and kind of the reason they have succeeded for so many uh, for the past couple of years. Um, you know, they're, hopefully I can produce those interviews. I have them kind of – they're starting to edit them slowly as I can. But Tyson and uh, Hunter Sage talked about when they, when I went by there – and they said they're now in that system and that defense where they've been in there since they were freshmen, right? So they're kind of used to playing in that defense now where – and you are able to have a lot of those seniors who are a lot – they have like 20 seniors, I think, on this football team. So it's like this is the year, like all these guys are kind of coming together and have went through the system and know the system, and you see it now on the stat sheet. Um, and then on the opposite side, you have negative 52 yards rushing for a quarterback. Antoine Polk, man. You know, I talked about him, I think, a week ago. This kid can play. The 2023, and he does not look like a 23 whatsoever, can dominate on the on, on the ground. He's bigger, stronger, faster. He runs the ball well and just plows over you. He, he takes one or two guys to tackle him. And once he once he you once he tackle him, it like he always goes forward. So he gets those extra two yards. I mean, that's just how he is. I'm gonna have his like highlight tape playing while I'm talking about him because it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it, I remember watching this past couple of days and I was like, holy cow, this kid kind of just went off. And yeah, I mean, as you, when you, when this team can rely on the run game, like, because that offense needs to, I mean, it's dominant. The offensive line gave his, gave, gave him his holes to run through and he just did the rest. So shout out to this team kind of shows that SES is legit. They are true. That true want number two really to dc in the north and it's really like regents second baptist and fort ben in the south and that's kind of where it is right now and you know what hey my eagles might be able to do it this year you never know no without a doubt they're obviously very talented i mean talking about pulp stats from that game he had 24 carries for 241 yards and four touchdowns on the ground that's 28 of southwest 36 points so obviously it's no secret at this point southwest runs their offense through the ground game it'll be interesting to see if they match up with dc how that really really front seven heavy 
D.C. defense matches up against that run-heavy Southwest offense. That's a matchup I'll be looking forward to if it ends up materializing. But Southwest Christian, Weed Wax, Fort Worth Christian, and the battle for Fort Worth. Moving into game number three, we see Cypress Christian played at Brazos Christian and one of the premier Division IV matchups in recent memory. And Cypress Christian sadly proves another one of my picks wrong and wins a close one here, 41-36. to And with that, they take sole control of first place in the D3-D4 district. And barring anything unusual, they'll they'll be the number one seed going into the playoffs. However, I think another storyline here is that Brazos Christian has announced themselves as a potential state champion contender with an impressive performance like this one. I mean, they they hung with an elite team. They stayed within a touchdown of them. It's not something a lot of people expected moving into this season. Brazos Christian has really, really kind of put themselves on the map under the direction of Coach Hoff. I mean, they're the development. I'm not just saying this because they're right down the road from us. They're legitimately like a very good team. A&M commit Levi Hancock had a tremendous game at quarterback uh, for Brazos Christian, throwing for 400 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Just a crazy stat line from someone who's – primary position really isn't even quarterback it's 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 like defensive lineman and then number one it's long snapper that's what he's committed for I mean just a tremendous Swiss army knife junior Ryan Burton and senior Hayden Tillery had great games also receiving with 179 yards and two touchdowns for Burton and 154 yards and three touchdowns for Tillery I talk more about Cypress Christian stats but they haven't posted them so Brazos Christian gets the love here but I mean Cypress Christian wins a close game here Walker what do you think that really says for this D3 D4 district as we we've seen two contenders kind of rise to the top out of it yeah you know Cypress kind of should like before the season, everyone knew, all right, this, like, this was the team kind of the beat out of the South, you know, and, and they kind of proved it in district, you know, they, they won their district and that's how it is. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who in those D3 ranges can beat this team in the South, or are we going to have a team up North of a, of all the great D1 team or D3 teams up in the North having to compete with them? Um, I could see like we San Antonio Holy Cross kind of did it last year, but they kind of lost a couple of their talented dudes, but they still have a couple of guys still there. Um, But we'll see how that plays out in the playoffs. It's going to be very interesting to watch, but on the other side, I mean, like you said, it's going to be, I really do think a Brian Brazos Christian versus signer St. Paul semifinal matchup to see who goes to state and division four. They're truly like, Without Levi, they almost beat Bay Area, who's done a very good job this this year. And that's a D3 team. And, I mean, it's 41-36 to 36 with Cypress, who are D2, like D3 should go to state champ. Like, that's the type of team they almost beat. So, with Levi at the helm and all the talented guys they have there, you could see something really good come out of this year. And China St. Paul might not be have an easy track to state no more. No, I completely agree. I think there might be a new guard coming about in the D3, D4 district, but you know, we'll see. There's a lot, there's a lot of football left to be played and we will see as we get deeper into the season and into playoffs. Moving into game number four, we see St. John's at ESD and ESD just smashes St. John's here 46 to 18 and 
number one just puts another dent in my pick record, but number two, they free me from my responsibility to blindly take St. John's until they lose, which kind of released me from that obligation. But in terms of the ESD side, junior quarterback Patrick Burke threw for an efficient three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and adding another touchdown with his legs. Senior running back Price Johnson averaged almost 10 yards per carry en route to a 164-yard performance along with a touchdown of his own. The Eagles did a tremendous job of distributing the ball as six different players scored a touchdown in this one. So, Walker, this, this proves that ESD is the standalone best team in SPC, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to an interesting matchup with St. John's versus Kincaid for second that we'll preview. But what, what do you think of this game as a whole and what it means for the SBC rankings? I mean, I think it just shows, one, that ESD is that good and probably will be the SBC champion. I mean, they're that talented. They're that good. ESD has done it against the other top two teams in the state with besides themselves, and they've shown, like, they're the top dogs, and they're going to have to play one of them again. Uh, November 6th to see who wins it all again this year. But I mean, I think it just shows for St. John's, right? I mean, if you look at the stats, right, they didn't really pass the ball a lot, more than 30 yards of receiver. The offense basically goes through John Purdue. And, you know, it's kind of, it's actually pretty interesting because on the opposite side, we'll talk about it later, but like Kincaid, the other two and three schools in SBC in that 4A, they kind of have their guys. And that's kind of, if you stop those dudes, you stop this team. If you don't, they kind of win. That's kind of how it is. And John Purdue is that good of a player going to Brown. Great player. Um, and ESD kind of just stopped him. I mean, he still got 142 yards on the ground. So, I mean, it's not like they truly stopped him. But, I mean, if, if you don't – he only got limited to one touchdown on the ground and one touchdown in the air. And you got to score more than 18 to beat ESD with that good offense that they have. Yeah, completely agree. We'll preview this later, but John Purdue has to get going for St. John's if they want any chance of beating Kincaid. But that is it. That's something that we'll preview later in the episode. Moving on to the last game that we previewed last week, that second Baptist at Houston Lutheran South. And as a familiar line for this episode, I took another hit on my peer record with this one. Uh, Villanova commit Eli Smith scores the first three touchdowns here for second Baptist. And they just quite frankly, never looked back after that cruising to a 47 to 13 shellacking of Lutheran South. Now I expected a lot of things from this game. An absolute blowout was not one of them. I really thought after second Baptist struggled to put away um, TWCA that Lutheran South had a great chance of hanging with them and beating them. And that just wasn't the case. I think that just proves that TWCA game was probably a little bit fluky on Second Baptist part. But, I mean, who knows? That That's said and done in the past. But this game takes Second Baptist to 3-0 in district and Lutheran South to 2-1 with two games remaining. So, you know, Walker, what does Lutheran South have to do to keep this number two spot wrestled away from Fort Bend Christian Academy? Because Lord knows they're coming, and they're coming strong. Yeah, I mean, I think Second Baptist proved, like, they kind of bounced back and said, hey, that's not who we are. This is who we are. And they proved it against Lutheran South. Um, to talk about FBCA, I mean, that last week game, I know we've said it the past couple of weeks, that's going to be very interesting. And Fort Ben will, like, this next week uh, against Lutheran South, will kind of show, hey, like, how good is this team? Because – it's going to be another – we saw it with the TWC matchup to see how 
Second Baptist and Fort Bend compared against each other. And you're going to about to see it again with Lutheran South versus Fort Bend this week and how they compare against each other. So um, we just keep comparing them. And so they finally match up in the last week of the season. But um, Lutheran South is not a bad team. It's just Second Baptist is that good. Um, like we've kind of said all year and kind of the reason they we still think they have a they can take Austin Regents to a good game this year. Um, if anyone can beat them, we've, we have always said that Second Baptist could be the team to do it. Um, and they kind of showed that again today, uh, this last week. No, we'll see. Maybe they can be. Maybe they'll redeem me from me wrongly picking them to beat Regents last year. Trust me, Second Baptist, I still remember. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on in that Southern Division in D2, and we'll see if it's you know, kind of chalk like always where Second Baptist and Regents play for state, but or for the for the state uh, semifinal. But, you know, we'll see. Second Baptist beats Lutheran South here by a lot. That concludes the games that we're recapping from last week. And now we transition into our news segment. First of all, a little bit of little bit of drama for the SBC championship. We're going to see ESD versus Kincaid or is it going to be ESD versus St. John's? I mean, obviously, we're going to preview one of our games of the week, which will be Kincaid's versus St. John's for that matchup of who goes to state. But, I mean, Walker, what do you think, without giving too much away, what do you think of that game? I mean, it's interesting. Like, I kind of said it earlier. Like, if you stop your their talented guys, you kind of stop that team. So, it's going to be, it's going to be the battle of the defenses <laughs> of who can stop their talented dudes on the other side of the ball. And that's going to be the key to the game, really. Um I, I, this is basically a semifinal matchup at the end of the season, which I think is going to be awesome. So it's going to be really exciting to see. Um, yeah. No, it's, I, I think it's going to be very interesting, but we'll preview that more in our games of the week. Second item, John Cooper, we know for sure, is going to play in the 3A SBC championship. The question is who against, and there's kind of a lot of factors that go into this. I mean, Walker, this looks like a math equation that's written down on the Google Drive. So you you explain what's at stake here in the final week and how what has to happen for that other matchup to come out. Basically, it's going to be – I think John Cooper hasn't lost in district, so they're, they're automatically in. But it's going to be the matter of other teams who – I think have lost, we'll only have two losses in district. And I think that's going to kind of put it, uh, put it at. So you have basically Cistercian, Trinity Valley, Country Day. Oak Ridge is the fourth one, but they have three losses in district. So that's probably not going to happen. But how it is, Cistercian has a win over Country Day in Oak Ridge. And then they've lost to John Cooper and TVS. TVS has wins over, of course, Cistercian, uh, and, but losses to John Cooper and Oak Ridge. Country Day has wins over Oak Ridge, but lost to Cistercian and John Cooper. And then Oak Ridge has wins over TVS, but they've lost to Country Day, Cistercian, and John Cooper. So Oak Ridge is out. And Cistercian, right? Okay. This is this this basically what, what I'm going to end up saying. And you'll we'll talk about it more later. But this TVS versus Country Day game is huge for who goes to state, basically. Um, Cistercian plays this week. Uh, o and a green hill so i mean i would count that as probably going to be a win right because they haven't won to anyone beat they haven't beat anyone basically but if tvs beats country day this week they tie cistercian for the four and two record and then they will have the win over cistercian so they will be able to go to state but if country day wins they will tie cistercian again for the four and two record 
but Cistercian, I believe, has the win over Country Day. So Cistercian goes to state. So basically, it's like what was it like a couple of years ago when the Bills first made it to playoffs and they had to wait in the locker room to watch um, whoever beat the other team, right? So that's basically how it's going to be. Cistercian will play their game. They'll probably win. And they're going to have to sit in the locker room and wait. And I will say, these are this TBS versus Country Day matchup is a very evenly matched up team, uh, matchup game, sorry. So it will be very interesting to see. And so I'll talk about it more later, but it's not like Country Day is just going to give them this win. Trust me, there's too much rivalry in that game to just let them win it. So, no, without a doubt. I mean, this is a game, I'll say now, the, the Trinity Valley versus Country Day that. I had, I think Walker too, had the hardest time picking a winner for. I mean, it's just a really closely contested game, and it makes it so fitting that this is a game that decides three teams' fate for the end of the season. I love it. It's just, it, it's really, really cool to see. Um, also, speaking of Cistercian, shout out Coach James Burke. I mean, we we chopped it up for a while at the Grace DC game. He has a kid that plays for DC. And it, it was nice to reminisce on old Cistercian Grace games. But I mean, for that, I might, I might pull for a situation that Cistercian gets into the playoffs because I've always, or into the championship, because I've always liked the way they play down there. But you know, we'll see. There's a lot riding on that game that we'll preview later. Now we move on to um, to the new rankings that we're putting out. In terms of Division One, everything stays the same. No change. I mean, the only thing that would have altered anything was if Midland beat All Saints. They didn't. So one through ten, exact same. In terms of D2, a little bit of change. St. Michael's from Austin moves up to seven. The Woodlands Christian Academy moves up to eight. Lutheran South drops a couple stop, a couple spots down to nine after their loss. So D two a little bit of shakeup, nothing crazy. I mean Walker, you want to, any quick comments on anything from D one or D two? I mean, kind of like how it always is. Uh, you lose, you kind of move down. If you win, you move up. Uh, I think just Lutheran's kind of blowout loss to uh, Second Baptist kind of dropped them two spots where WCA lost, of course, to Second Baptist, but they kind of kept it closer, so they have the spot right above them. But, I mean, before Ben versus Lutheran South this week, things can change again. So Yeah, look at that. What other, what other media entity is going to give you their exact rationale behind their rankings? You're, you're getting an insider look. We're, we're very transparent <laughs> here. Uh, D3, D4, one through seven stay the same as Grace Prep continues their reign of dominance. Um, Covenant Christian moves up to eight. Brazos Christian moves down to nine after their close loss. And Hallsville Sacred Heart moves up to 10. So before I have any comments, I'll just read the rest of everything. SPC, um, top four stay the same. Bel Air moves into the number five spot. St. Mark's moves down to number six. Uh, Cistercian up to number seven. Trinity Valley from Fort Worth down to eight. Fort Worth Country Day up to nine. And Arlington Oak Ridge moves back into the number 10 spot. And in terms of the top 10 overall rankings, one through seven, one through seven stay the same. DC moves up to number eight after sadly a blowout win against Grace. Number nine, Houston St. John's drops down to that spot after their loss to ESD. So, Walker, in terms of D3, D4, SPC, and the overall rankings, any comments you want to make on why we did what we did? Um, I'll go through quickly, just talking about them again. D3, D4, uh, Brian Braz's loss. But they, they wanted to keep it close. So it was hard to bring him down. But Covenant had a big win over LCCS. So you had to move him at least one spot up. So that was kind of a 
if he won, but I mean, it you could have won it either way. And then how Phil sacred heart moved in They're five and three. They've had a good season. So they're that in that 10th spot. They you could have done some other guys, but that we chose to go with that 10th spot there for them. Uh, the top 10 SBC Bel Air beat uh, Episcopal beat St. Mark's. They move up. St. Mark's moves down. Uh, Trinity Valley moves down uh, because they lost uh, and country day moves up. Oak Ridge moves up. And then we move Houston Christian out because I believe they've lost all district games so far. So, I mean, you can't really put a guy in top 10 if they lose all their district games. Um, so yeah, it's pretty simple there. And then of course, St. John's kind of got blown out a little bit by ESD. So they moved down a spot and DC just moves up because one person moves down. So pretty simple. I think some people might have issue with, uh, DC D2 team being ranked above St. John's and Kincaid, two of the best teams in SPC. I mean, what, what do you think about that? What do you think we've seen so far? that allows DC to hold that eight spot. DC has played teams that were higher, uh, you know, division than them have beaten them. Um, and kind of beaten all the teams they need to beat. Addison Trinity Christian came along and they kind of beat them. So that's why DC is of course lower than them, but um, they're still seven to one against good uh, code competition. And the thing about it is right. Power rankings are power rankings. It's not like, um, who's the better team because that's not really how it goes. UTSA is in the top 25 this year for the first time ever. Right. If you put them against UT Austin, I would probably go again. I would probably put my money on UT Austin to win that game. But because, you know, the Roadrunners are I mean, if eight and no right now, you put them in the top 25. That's just how it goes. You see SMU go in there, stuff like that. Some of the lower ranked teams get in there because they're a no or have good records. That's what you expect in power rankings because they deserve to be ranked. And that's kind of the same thing with this. Um, even though they might one-on-one beat each other, right? They deserve to be ranked because of how good of a season they've had. Um, that's just how power rankings are. If you don't like it, change the entire version of power rankings because you're not talking to us. You're talking about the NFL, uh, college football, everything. Everything, that's kind of how it goes by it's not about how good you are. It's how good your record and then also how good you are. So power rankings are an art, not a science. I mean, it's just it's not it's not completely straightforward. It's looking at teams resumes, their overall records, common opponents. And it's just it's like what you said. It's not necessarily this team would beat this team, but you got to take into account their whole body of work. Listen, as an audience, I love y'all. A lot of y'all have no freaking idea how rankings work, just point blank period. And I get it. I love the engagement. I love people getting like a little bit fired up about their team being ranked too low. But li listen, we we have a little bit of credibility here. We know how to rank teams. And um, looking at a couple of games, one in particular this past week, I think we know more than some people about how rankings work. But, I mean, it's all in fun. I mean, I, we, we like making these. Uh, a lot of y'all enjoy that we make these and we have fun doing it. But, yeah, I mean – their power rankings. It's our opinion. It's not that deep, but that is all the news that we have. And now we move into our five games of the week, starting with what honestly I think is probably the best game of the year up to this point. That is the division one matchup number two ranked Nolan at number one ranked parish Episcopal. I'll actually be in attendance Friday. I'm incredibly excited to see this. It's the first Dallas game. I've gotten to go see, so I'll take the trick up there. And obviously, it'll 
I think that that's the first time I've been back to the blue turf of Paris since I got absolutely blown out on it. So it, it'll be a mixed bag of feelings, but I think I'll, I'll survive. But I mean, listen, this just quite frankly, it's an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. I mean, there is obviously talent all over the field for both teams. I mean, for Fort Worth or for Nolan Catholic, you see three-star defensive lineman Caleb James, three-star DN Curly Thomas, who's committed to Cal. Uh, for Parrish, you see four-star DB Daniel Demery, uh, wide receiver senior Blake Youngblood, who we rave about, the freshman Sawyer Anderson, who we gave player of the week to. You can't leave out Andrew Paul, the senior running back. I mean, literally, both teams are just loaded with Division One talent. And, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible – not almost, it really is impossible right now to quantitatively prove who the better team is looking from a statistical standpoint. However, amid all the controversy and the rumors and the swirling talking, no one has gone about and placed a chip on their own shoulder. I think this game goes down to the wire either way. But I think Nolan comes out like a team possessed because of all the talking that's gone out. And I think they etch out a win here. I really do think these teams are so even talent wise that just the sheer the sheer will that Nolan or just the, the anger and the tenacity they come out with after all this stuff has come out about, you know, resignations and suspensions. I think Nolan honestly can win this game just off off anger and drive alone. I mean, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because it's a really, really interesting situation with two talented teams. Like this is, this is the battle of the Titans. Like you said, it's the two best private school teams, regardless of classification, the D one state championship opponents from last year. And like we said last year, when we went and watched them, right? Like, even though Parrish started out really good, it's not like Nolan didn't have the guys and the the attitude to come back, and they kept it close towards the end, remember? So it's not like it's a bad matchup or anything of the sort. It's a good matchup, good teams, good just one-on-one, let's see how it goes. Looking at the matchup, I think it's a very good, just talented team. Both are very, very extremely talented teams. They got the guys on both sides of the ball. Nolan has kind of figured out what they were going to do with the quarterback situation since we've last talked about him. They've gone with like a two quarterback system with Cole Matsua and TJ Williams at the head at the helm. Sorry. Uh, and Parrish, they found their guy and Sawyer Anderson has proven he can get it done. And he's not, you know, he hasn't really been, he's been in those big time games and he hasn't really fell under the pressure and he's done really well. And we want to talk about Andrew Paul. Andrew Paul has had a dominant senior year over just a little bit under a thousand yards rushing. And he just got offered by Mizzou SEC running back now in there and in a private school team. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Mizzou is not the first D one big school to come after him. It's going to be a lot more. The season is still young. Looking into it. I think it's really going to come down to in the trenches. Like it always does in football, right? You're having, uh, Aiden Gilmore and the other line of for Parrish, who all of them are really above 6'1, 6'2. They have a good offensive line against two of the best two defensive linemen in all of private school. And uh, Curly Thomas and, uh, of course, Caleb James. Two great defensive linemen against a great offensive line. And I think I'm going to give the edge to Parrish Episcopal and I'm going to pick Parrish Episcopal. I think we're going to go. 
uh, separately on this one because I really do, do think Parrish has a good um, quarterback now in there with Sawyer Anderson. They have great receivers and Blake Youngblood and Nathaniel Hill, Cedric Mays as well. Um, they have a good team. That defense is st- stacked by SEC offered highly rated top 150 player Daniel Demery leading the head in that defensive side of the ball. They have a lot of good athletes on that side. And don't get me wrong. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, yeah, Nolan or Parrish is going to blow him out or anything like that. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. And I, like you said, with everything going on for Nolan, their mind, they're going to be their mindset is being like, we are this team. We're going to show everyone this team. I just think overall, I think Parrish ed- edges them out a little bit. And I'm going to go Parrish here. But I don't get it twisted. I think Nolan has a great team. They have a great chance to win this game. And with how their mindset is going to be, Parrish just has to get their stuff together and make sure, hey, we don't overlook them. We stay focused. Stay, our mindset is locked in to beat this team. Because like you said, two best teams in the state are going at it. And this is going to be a big time matchup. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, Nolan's kind of taken a Nolan versus the world mindset here. And just from a talent standpoint, I really think it's a coin flip who wins the game. I mean, there's so, so much talent on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we'll see. You know, I – I broke kind of a cardinal rule of mine that I, I I picked against the home team that I'm going to cover. So that might mean that I get some grief from Paris fans that I see there. But, you know, it is what it is. Also, shout out to the Nolan Catholic Facebook group. I've seen that we're popular there. So if you're <laughs> if this clip makes it to y'all's uh, to y'all's Facebook, howdy and say hi to me if you see me at the game. I want to hey, before you say that, Ryan Schroeder just sent in his picks. So we have to mention them now. Uh, Parrot, uh, Ryan Schroeder is with me and he says that Parrish in the score of 35 to 21. Hmm. Uh, so that's Ryan Schroeder's pick on the game. That'll be interesting. You know, I, I expect, I really do think if I was just picking this based on talent, I might give it to Parrish. It's just, there's some, there's some energy in the air with Nolan. I don't mean to sound like a, like a, like a soothsayer or something, but it just, there, there's something, I get a feeling in my bones that there's something different about Nolan right now, you know, and I'm going to ride that out until I get proven wrong. <laughs> although that didn't really do me well with St. John's, but we'll see moving on to game number two, which is a very good game in its own right. Number four ranked Preston Wood takes the long bus ride to number seven Midland Christian. You know, I think I'll keep it short and sweet. I think with McGuire Martin back at the helm, Preston Wood gets the win here. You know, Midland struggled against the upper echelon of D1 going 0-3. And Preston Wood is a tough ass to get that first win against. That isn't a forfeit. I mean, you know, Ryber Rodriguez and the team are going to have to clean up a lot of mistakes in order to pull off an upset in this one. Although, keep in mind, like I mentioned, Preston Wood is taking that long bus ride out west. But on the record, I want Preston Wood in this game. I just think they're a better overall team, especially, like I said, with McGuire Martin back at the helm. Walker, your thoughts on the number four ranked team traveling to Midland? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with you. I think Preston Wood is the team to beat here. I think they're a good team. They have the t- one of the top if not the top 2023 quarterback in the state with uh, McGuire Martin back and healthy. I mean, I, I trust that guy to take the reins and have a great year, a uh, great game. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be a pretty, pretty good game. I think Midland has a lot to play for of showing, Hey, we're still that team. We have a chance. And like the thing about with SBC or sorry, the thing about with taps division one, it's not like Midland's out of it, right? Like they have good wins. They'll still get in the playoffs. 
and they'll have to compete again against a lot of these upper echelon teams, and they're going to have to show, hey, we can still do it, and maybe they won't get the win against Prestonwood here. They might hit them in the mouth, though, and show, hey, we're still forced to be reckoned with for the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree. This is a big statement game for Midland because if they roll over and die, that's not going to look very good going into the playoffs. But if they, like you said, come out and hit Prestonwood in the mouth, even if they lose, if they have a strong showing, that kind of shows River Rodriguez and the guys, hey, we can compete with the upper echelon and we can pull off an upset when we uh, make it into playoffs. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to be said and done before that, but we'll see. Um, in terms of Ryan Schroeder's pick, I mean, did you did you think the man was going to pick against Prestonwood? He has Prestonwood in a 35-21 to 21 victory over Midland Christian. So, yet again, that is the podcast sweep picking Prestonwood. Of course, that means somehow Midland is going to win this game, but, you know, that's how, that's how picks work. Game number three of the week, we see number two ranked St. John's travel to number three ranked Kincaid in an SBC semifinal matchup to end the regular season. This is yet again a gigantic matchup in a week that is just chock full of them. You know, these two SBC Titans will match up on Friday to determine who faces ESD in the SBC championship game. Honestly, I think Kincaid's the better team in this matchup. Complete 180 from all the St. John's hype I've been on throughout the season. They really broke my heart with that just absolute slaughter of a game against ESD. But, you know, I, I really do think that Kincaid is probably the better team here. I think they have a brand of explosive offense, especially with the Bell Brothers leading it. That's going to give the St. John's defense trouble. Give me Kincaid here on the record to play for state. That being said, if, if Kincaid fails to stop John Purdue, especially on the ground for St. John's, I really, really think that's the way St. John's would win this game. But I think Kincaid's defense can probably get that done. I want on the record me picking Kincaid. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind I kind of hinted at it earlier. If you stop the, their star guys, that's who's going to basically win this game. If you stop Micah Bell and Dylan Bell, you're going to win. Uh, St. John's is going to win the game. If you stop John Purdue and this other, uh, the other guys on that team, you're going to win the game for Kincaid. That's just how it's going to be. And in, it's basically the battle of the defenses is who can do that. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to go with you on this one too. Uh, I think Kincaid's just a better team. Dylan and Mike are just going to kind of have to ball out. And they'll know that too going into this game. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, we'll just play another game like we did the rest of the season. No, they're, they know it's do or die. And, I mean, I know as any senior that's going into their last game to make a break to go to the state championship like Dylan, I mean, he's he's going to play everything he's got. And don't get it twisted. I love my guys over there at St. John's, and they're going to see this, and they're going to be like, I bet we're going to show you wrong. And you know what? Go for it, guys. You know, I have all the respect for you in the world. Uh, John Purdue, wish you the best, man. Go dominate. But uh, for being – the guy on this being a host on this, I'm going to have to go Kincaid and Ryan also agrees uh, to add on to his pick. Ryan Schroeder agreed with Kincaid and he went 42 to 36. So it's going to be really funny when the one week we all hop off St. John's, they go out and beat Kincaid that I'll take credit for that. If it happens to say that the Texas private school podcast bump will, 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 will trademark that. But, you know, that's our preview for St. John's at Kincaid, which is essentially an SBC semifinal matchup. Moving into game number four, number six, Fort Bend Christian Academy 
travels to number nine, Lutheran South. And this is just another gigantic game that will end up determining who pulls the number two seed out of Division Two District Four. You know, we've, we're a broken record. Fort Bend has been rolling as of late. I saw that first win against the Woodlands Christian, and that checks off three straight blowout wins behind standout junior quarterback Brady Dever and his host of just incredibly talented receivers that I've raved about. Lutheran South was on a six-game win streak until they ran into a buzzsaw named Houston Second Baptist. It'll be interesting to see how the Pioneers recover and come back from that game. But quite frankly, I think Dever and Fort Bend Christian Academy, this offense is going to be too much to stop. Give me Fort Bend Christian and two or three touchdowns. I really do think they're they're ahead of over, ahead over Lutheran South. I think I'm that big on this Fort Bend Christian team. What are your thoughts, Walker? Yeah, um, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to give my mortal lock of the week. Uh, my mortal lock of the week is Fort Bend. I'm going to go right with you. I think this Fort Bend team is really good. They have the athletes. They're very talented. And, you know, having guys back that were kind of hurt earlier in the season, they're back, they're healthy, they're a good team. And I think this Lutheran South team is in for some trouble. Um, and I think Fort Bend is the team to beat. And that, I am so, so excited if Fort Bend for Houston Second Baptist next week. I might be talking too much ahead, but I really like that matchup. Um, Play on a Thursday so I can come watch y'all or something. Come on, guys, please. Um, but I know it's not going to happen, so I'll have to watch it online. But, uh, yeah, very excited for this game. Give me four Ben in this one. No, I think I think if uh, I think they'll move the game back a day for the Texas Private School podcast. I think uh, I think we can get that done if we absolutely. the right people. <laughs> but um, in terms of the Ryan Schroeder pick for this game, he likes Fort Bend Christian Academy as well in a thirty to twenty seven victory. Man, we got to start attaching scores to this. Ryan's standing us up here. He's not even on the episode this week. But I mean that that gives another podcast sweep for Fort Bend Christian. Um, I actually, Brady said that their whole team almost watches these episodes. So, I mean, shout out y'all, y'all go get it done this week. Hopefully y'all can, or that that's a little biased, but for the sake of our pick records, I hope Fort Bend gets it done. Yep. But Lutheran South isn't a pushover, obviously. I mean, they, they, they've established a lot of wins up to this point and we'll see if they can also compete against Fort Bend. Moving into the final game of the week, we see Fort Worth Country Day at Trinity Valley in the Battle of Bryant-Irvin. I did not know that was the name of that game. But, I mean, you you can speak to this first. You you preview this. I mean, this, I mean it, it's a big rivalry game, and you being from Fort Worth probably have a little bit more credibility to talk about it than I do. Oh, yeah. I mean, Trinity Valley is literally not even a mile from my high school. It's that close of this thing. Like, literally, it's, it's SES. TVS and then like a little down the road is country day. That's literally, it's literally in a line basically. Um, and the battle of Brian Irvin has always been a big deal on our side of the Fort Worth, um, both little under four miles from each other. And it's always been a true rivalry in Fort Worth and how SBC has always been set up. A lot of this game matters for playoff in, in implications for, you know, who goes to state and that's happened for a lot for the past couple of years. And uh, just like that, again this game has big time implications uh it's basically who goes to state if tvs wins this game they will go to the state championship if country day wins this out of spite to tvs like they always never want tvs to succeed Cistercian will go to state so country day is praying for pride and to help Cistercian uh, go to state and trust me i i know this rivalry there is no way country day wants 
any success for TBS. None. So this will be a very, very interesting matchup on the great grass of TBS, which is not great. And we talked about it in a previous episode. Not a fan of the field. But Country Day and TBS always in the past have had great athletes that kind of just run their team. And they kind of have, again, this, this game. Um, Country Day is kind of led by 22 offensive linemen. Uh, Carter da- Daly, Daly, I don't really know how to say it. But he's 6'7". He's a big, big boy, and he's getting D1 looks. He's already got D1 offer from Austin P. Very big time dude, and he will probably go Division One for uh, for football somewhere. So it's gonna be very interesting to see. Um, on the other guys, 22 uh, athlete Andrew Evans, 22 wide receiver Kirk Kimmel, 2023 running back Paul Ray, and then 2022 linebacker uh, Coleman Hansen. They have a lot of guys on that team. Trinity Valley on the other side, led by another D1 guy in 2022 defensive lineman, William Houston, who's already getting D1 attention as well. Uh, other guys, 2024, Carter Lee, 22 uh, offensive D lineman, Gage Toulson, 23 running back, Matt Lutz, uh, 22 offensive lineman, David Hammonds, and 2024 offensive lineman, Will Scott. Um, basically, this game will be one of the trenches. That William Houston versus Carter Daly matchup it will be a very, very interesting one. Uh, that's going to be mano e mano, best of best, going against each other in Fort Worth, and it's going to be very exciting to watch. It's just going to be a very good one. It's going to be who wins in the trenches. That's plain and simple who's going to win. And in this one, I'm going to go Country Day. I think this game is a really is a good team. Both of them – this is probably the, one of the most equally matched up teams we've had in a while, like matchups. Like this is a good game, and I'm very excited to see how it plan out. Maybe, like, I'm going to be back home to watch Homecoming for my high school this week. But I don't know. If it's a blowout, maybe an early third, might go watch this game and go watch in the stands and see how it goes. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, um, yeah, give me Country Day here. I think this will be a good matchup, but um, I trust the Falcons in this one. So No, that's, that's super interesting. Like I said, like I previewed <laughs> earlier in the episode – this this was the hardest game for me to pick just because these two teams are like carbon copies of each other, at least from a statistical standpoint. You know, both teams obviously have had up and down years as of now, pulling off upsets and turning in questionable losses. But, you know, it all comes down to this. It's, it's not really survive and advance because Country Day can advance, but they can prevent Trinity Valley from advancing themselves. So, I mean, we'll see. Honestly, like like I say so many times, this game truly is a coin flip, but the side of the coin I like is Trinity Valley. I really do think they can get it pulled off. I think that win against Cistercian was big time in my mind. I really do think they can get the win here and, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, I don't know how confident I am in that because literally I, I could go either way, but that's my pick. In terms of Ryan Schroeder's pick, Ryan wants also Trinity Valley, 30 to 21. So, I mean, yet again, it's we, we all think the game's going to be close. It just depends who comes out on the right side of that close game. But give me Trinity Valley to win and give me a Trinity Valley versus John Cooper SPC for a state championship. I think that'll I think that might be the way it trends, but we'll see. Country Day could 100% knock Trinity Valley out of this equation. But actually, all that being said, that is all the information we have for this week. Uh, yet again, 
I want to say thank you so much to everyone that supports us on YouTube. Our past few episodes have been by far the biggest we've ever put out, barring our first one. Uh, just thank you so much. All of y'all's constant engagement means a lot to all of us here at the podcast, and that's what makes it fun when we get everyone talking. So, Walker, you have any closing thoughts before we, we close out this episode? Uh, yeah, it's I'm excited for all these games. You know, Wes, you're going to be at Parrish Nolan. Uh, I'm going to be back home. And then next week is the SBC State Championships for all our SBC fans. We will be there. Uh, I, okay. I know at least Ryan will be there to go cover both games. So any ESD fans that are watching, please let us know how we're supposed to get media passes for all that. Uh, we're trying to figure out all of that process right now to figure it all out. Uh, I probably will be at the game. Uh, games, that's what I'm probably going to lean towards. I don't really know with all this stuff going on with my schedule. That's probably how it's going to be that Saturday. Um, we're, I'm, I'm, we have some plans that I think are going to be kind of cool for those matchups. You know, we're going to do interviews, all of that. So please come in, uh, stay tuned for all of that. And then with playoffs coming up soon, uh, hopefully more, more content will come out. You know, schools, hopefully, hopefully on the down low, like on the lower end after midterms. And hopefully we don't have a lot towards until, uh, you know, finals happen. But you know, school of school, um, that always comes first for all of us. So hopefully we can get a little bit more content out, go to all these playoff games, all of that jazz. Uh, but yeah, a lot more exciting news to come forward for the future. Uh, and I'm just excited, man. Yeah, for sure. There is a lot to be talked about in the coming weeks, but we will save that for later. Uh, as always, this has been the Texas Private School Podcast. I have been one half of your hosting crew. Walker Lott has been himself. Ryan Schroeder, through text message, has also been himself. We will see y'all in the next episode. See you later.